the path of love, the path of beauty, is never a smooth path. We're not talking about flabby sentiment. We're talking about a deep love of reality, a deep love of the real beauty. And when that love touches you, when it burns your heart, life can never be the same, can never be the same again. And in the life and liberation of Padmasambhava, we have a story of this. We have the story of one of Padmasambhava's main disciples, one of his main Dakini disciples. We have the story of the Indian princess Mandarava. She was a beautiful princess, the daughter of the king of Zohor, which is a region in uh, the Himalayas, the, the Indian side of the Himalayas now. And being a very, very beautiful young woman, of course, she had many suitors. And of course, her father and mother wanted to marry her off to, you know, the most important of the kings so that they could have their pact with that particular king from another country. But Princess Mandarava had other ideas. At a young age, she had a vision of the Dharma. And even though she was forbidden to do it, she just left home. She went forth. And she made sure that she was going to go forth forever, even though there was so much opposition from her family, so much opposition. But she did a savage going forth. No, no gentle going forth for her. She broke her earrings and her, she ripped her fine clothing. She rubbed her face with mud and dirt. She scratched her cheeks, tearing her beautiful com com complexion. She destroyed her worldly beauty. And her parents, the king and queen, realised, ah, she's serious. So, in a sense, perhaps, wanting to give her what she wanted, which was to live the life of a bhikkhuni, a bhikshuni, a nun, they set her up in a nunnery with her friends. They all became nuns. Perhaps it was also a way of containing her so she didn't go too far away. And everything is fine. She's there with her friends in retreat, studying and meditating and practicing. But, you know, when you really love the Dharma, when you really love the Dharma, when you really go forth, the Dharma has to take you even further. You have to go into other goings forth, other renunciations. And on one fine day when Mandarava was walking on the grass outside her nunnery, there appeared the most beautiful man. The most beautiful man appeared before her. It was like a vision. This man was so extraordinarily beautiful. This man who appeared. She just fainted. She just swooned seeing this man. This gorgeously handsome man. She just fell over, unconscious. But the man was kind and compassionate. He made the gestures, the mudras to revive her. And when she came to, she saw him and she just sang out, Emao, triumphant one, chief jewel among the sons of the Buddha, Buddha who has attained perfection, 
and has taken upon himself the well-being of others, who captures all beings by the hook of grace, who is like the healing power of love, who is like the healing power of love, dazzling, joyful epiphany, extending favour to all, placing friends and foes alike in your ship of liberation, sole protection for blinded beings, consent to sojourn here, to stay here, and teach the Dharma to me, to teach the Dharma to us. And she invited the beautiful young man, the beautiful youth, who of course was Guru Padmasambhava, who had seen that Mandarava had tremendous potential and could go even further. She invited the beautiful youth, the beautiful man, into her nunnery to teach her and her nuns. And there he stayed, teaching this rapt audience. They were really learning the Dharma, really hearing Dharma like they'd never heard Dharma before as he taught them the Dharma, initiated them, taught them new meditation practices. But they were seen. Somebody saw this man, this man in the nunnery, teaching Mandarava and the nuns. And the rumour started to go around that there was a stranger, a foreigner, an outsider, a man with Mandarava and the women. And the rumour went around that he was up to all sorts of things. Were they really practising the Dharma? What was really going on there? And the word got back to the king, got back to the queen. And the king was outraged. He was outraged. What is this? A stranger, an outsider, with my daughter in the nunnery, in the nunnery getting up to something? He didn't bother to inquire. He just immediately sent out the army uh, to raid the nunnery. And in they went, grabbing Padmasambhava, beating Padmasambhava. And Mandarava is saying, he is my guru, he is my teacher. And they dragged Padmasambhava off to the stake to be burnt. And Mandarava was desperate and she was urged to give him up to renounce her teacher. But she wouldn't, she wouldn't. She was too committed to her teacher. The bond between her and Padmasambhava was so strong. The love was so strong, she refused, so she was buried in a pit of thorns, uh, which was covered with a cloth. Meanwhile, Padmasambhava is tied to the stake, and a great bonfire is created around him, a great pyre is created around him, and he is burnt on the stake. And the fire burns and burns and burns, and Mandarava's cries can be heard for miles around, and the fire burns and burns and does not cease burning, and Mandarava's cries do not cease crying out across the lands. And the king begins to wonder, what is going on? Why is this fire not going out? So he goes to sea, and there, there amidst the flames, is a garden, a garden amidst the flames, a lotus garden. A lotus is growing amid the flames and there is Guru Padmasambhava in the form of an eight-year-old boy, reborn with just 
perspiration on his pink skin. He's there and surrounding him are many, many hundreds of forms of goddesses in the form of Mandarava dancing around him. And of course the king is shocked, is appalled. He prostrates, he confesses, he apologises. Mandarava is freed. Padmasambhava is taken down somehow from out of this stake. And the king is so overwhelmed, he clothes Padmasambhava in his robes. He enthrones him, he confesses, and Padmasambhava teaches uh, the Dharma. And these robes of Padmasambhava on this image are sometimes said to be the robes of the king of Zohor. And the lotus cap is said to be the cap of the king of Zohor. So this is Padmasambhava the king here, the very youthful, boy-like king. And here, in this particular story, its culmination comes with Mandarava's praise of the utter beauty of Padmasambhava's appearance. Emao, you are the embodiment of rapturous love with the major and minor marks. Your form is as great and perfectly proportioned as Mount Meru, shaped like the king of all mountains. You have a head round as a vase. Your hair is lovely as the blooming of the Udumbra flower. Your nose is perfectly proportioned. Your upper and lower lips are like the petals of a lotus flower. Your face is peaceful. Your neck and chin are endowed with the richness of youth. The sound of your voice is as resplendent as the Kalapanga bird. Your moustache and beard are like the fur of a magnificent black bear. Your colouring is like a white conch shell that has been delicately painted with vermilion. Your perfect neck is shaped like a lovely vase. Praise to your presence. You are like a grand snow lion poised in full glory. You pass through space in the flash of an instant like a rainbow your ever-youthful ever presence supports limbs that are full and strong. When you smile, you are so attractive and not a fault can be found. Your presence is so pleasing that one cannot gaze upon you enough. Your radiance blazes like an orb of light. To touch your skin brings unique Vajra bliss to everyone. You, Padmasambhava, are the one who displays these marks of sublime excellence. Praise to the body of the Buddha that displays, displays the 32 major marks. Thus she offered prostrations and rendered play, praise with great devotion. So she is meditating on the supreme beauty of Padmasambhava. This is what we need to do for a long time in our practice. We need to gaze and contemplate on the beauty of reality itself. How can we transform our desires? How can we transform our attachments if we don't contemplate the naked beauty of reality itself? How can we turn away from samsara if we don't meditate on this transcendent beauty? In other texts later on in the life of Padmasambhava, you find a whole meditation on how 
every single part of Padmasambhava is a doorway into reality itself. But here, we're just presented with the beauty of reality. So if you're enjoying, appreciating, benefiting from this series of short talks by Padmavadra on the life and liberation of Padmasambhava, him channeling these lightning flashes from the blue beyond, then please do consider making a donation to Padmaloka. We're still in uh, uncertain financial times. This year we lost our main source of income, uh, our retreat income, and even though people are starting to return to Padmaloka now, uh, our costs have considerably gone up. Uh, given the various measures that we have to put in place. So although we've benefited enormously from people's generosity uh, throughout the year, we really need to keep that stream of generosity flowing. So do please consider giving what you can. You can do that by following the link that's attached to this video or beneath in our YouTube channel or visiting our website and making a one-off donation or taking out a monthly standing order. Thank you.